Gracious God, give us ears to hear your word for us and hearts to follow them. In Christ's name, amen. Do you realize that in the, in the Episcopal liturgy, you can get all the way to the peace without actually acknowledging that anybody else is in the room? Especially if you adhere to the old tradition of maintaining silence before the service. Now, I know we don't do that much anymore, and sometimes I really miss the silence because it was a good way to center yourself before worship. And other times I'm glad it's gone because it means that people are connecting with one another, a sign that we are all in this together, and we need to be reminded of that. What you do with your faith, your relationship with God, your understanding of Christ is your business, but don't think it doesn't affect the rest of us. As Mother Teresa says, if we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten we belong to one another. And your witness says as much about us as it does about you. I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and ad adversity, Moses says. And all that you have experienced in these long 40 years of wandering in the desert is to prepare you for this moment. For this is the threshold between wilderness and promised land, and it lies in your decision. Whom will you serve, and how will you build community in this new place? They have learned that freedom from slavery is not freedom from obedience. When they are faithful to God, they thrive. When they are distracted by shiny objects or fall away in fear or turn away in grumbling, they die. When their questions become accusations, they die. So they have a choice to make, life and prosperity or death and adversity. And the choice they make today will affect generations to come because it's all about relationship and community. So choose life. Do you remember when you were in grade school and you got to choose a team? Now, most of us probably remember being on the other side of that experience. We remember being in the group that was hoping not to be called last. Not much of an athlete, I was frequently in that group. Although I usually wasn't last because I was a pretty nice kid, but I was close to last because it wasn't like I was going to score any points for the team, except in volleyball. And I had a killer serve in volleyball. So sometimes I even got to be team captain. And I remember that grand feeling. You got to say, I choose you and you, not you and you. So this is a point, point, wave off point. That's a lot of power for one child. Probably too much for any one person. In grade school, making the wrong choice might affect where you sit at lunch. But today, making those kinds of choices are very powerful. What is the cost of your choice to the one you choose and to the ones that you don't choose? Because your choices say something about your righteousness, but it also says something about our community. And I think that's what Jesus is getting at. He's not talking about a new law. The same rules apply. No murder, no adultery, no false witness, honor your commitments. But he wants us to dig even deeper into living into that law. Theologian Eric Barreto writes, it is not replacement, but intensification. 
Jesus here calls his listeners not to avoid these calls of righteousness, but to dig that much more into them, to align our lives that much more with the abiding divine values that these commandments communicate, and to commit ourselves to the transforming power of God. See, these commandments were never meant to be a burden. They were meant to mark identity as a means to faithfulness, but most importantly, to be responsive to God's initiative, because it's all about relationship. It's not up to us to just get it right. We are to be obedient, dependent on God, and interdependent with one another. Choose life for all of us. Thou shalt not murder does not just mean don't kill someone. It also means don't kill the spirit. Don't kill the integrity. Don't so degrade another human being that they are unable to choose life. And that gets complicated really quickly. Because how then do we decide discipline or punishment or retribution? I mean, this kind of obedience cuts out some of our very favorite excuses. Well, he did it to me. Or that was her choice, not mine. Or it's all about safety. Annual Council this year passed a resolution about prison reform. The language was good, though I wonder what action will actually come from it. We didn't really discuss it. But how do we have meaningful prison reform that recognizes humanity, that prioritizes humanity for both victim and perpetrator? Do you know in the state of Louisiana, they spent six years and $3 million filing a lawsuit or fighting a lawsuit that three men from death row had filed because they were complaining about the soaring temperatures in their cells. Now, eventually this case was settled, but only for those three men and not the other 70 or so that are living in the same non-air-conditioned area. Southern Louisiana in the summer and tiny cells. Now, even if you have trouble with that population, think rationally. The cost to put in an air conditioning unit for all of the prisoners was scheduled at $225,000, but they spent $3 million not to. And when asked, a guard replied, well, they don't need to live in a resort. Well, on the one hand, Angola is considered quite progressive and has worked hard to create programs of everything from auto maintenance to parenting. And substance abuse rehabilitation programs flourish and the reentry networks have vastly improved. And on the other hand, there is a standard 90 days of hard labor in the fields upon entry, and it is often continued for punishment. Working the plantation the same way the slaves did 150 years ago with armed guards on horseback. What do they deserve? But what are we willing to allow? And how do we create the opportunity for them to choose life despite the choices they made wandering in the wilderness? Moses gave them another choice, and so did God. See, it's about our integrity, theirs and ours. Choose life. You know, at Annual Council, we also tried to have a conversation about gun violence, but it was hard. 
A resolution was put forward that included multiple suggestions of increasing gun safety awareness, limiting or banning guns in church, increasing awareness from a whole variety of aspects in the issue. It was somewhat vague, but even that set off rather heated discussions in the hearings. Then the resolution came out of committee stripped of any prohibitive language. It only stated that we would commit to having a conversation about it in our church communities, and even that was hotly debated and narrowly passed the full council. Just to have a discussion with the word gun in it almost died. Choose life. Now, hear me. I am not railing against guns. I'm just talking about having a discussion so that the various voices on this topic could be heard. So we're planning a forum at the end of May, hoping that we can bring a variety of voices and that we could hear one another and nurture a good discussion because there is no clear line where you could say this side is right and this side is wrong. And Jesus calls us to dig into these things, to discern together, to choose life for the community. Moses says to those who would enter the promised land, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. Obey the commandments, choose life. Jesus says, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it to its fullest intentions, be faithful, be obedient, choose life. Because remember, it's not about objects or even ideals. It's about people and relationships. It's about the intention of the heart and being in covenant relationship with God and with one another, and we need each other for that. Choose life for you and for you and for you. No waving anybody off because God gave us the grace to have life and to have it abundantly. So choose life for all of us.